Welcome. It's the last Wednesday of the week and we're back this week with the multi-tool of sports podcasts, bringing you our highlights of sports, um, things that have been going on in the world of sport. And of course, this week we bring you um, what sport, or how rather sport has reacted to the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I'm here with Ben and we get stuck into that. Plus, what else is coming up in season four of last Wednesday of the week? Ben, hello, welcome. Episode two. And the world, or certainly uh, Britain's view of the world, has turned on its head in just a few days. We are deep in the mourning process. Uh, of course, that is a different process for everybody. Um, but yeah, the big, big news, worldwide news, it feels, uh, and, and quite rightly so, is that the Her Majesty the Queen died uh, at the age of 97, I believe, for an unbelievably good innings. Um, I, I thought your intro there did a very good BBC voice. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. The, the BBC this week. Do you know, been... it's, it's really hard to, to turn on the telly at the moment and not hear sombre tone. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, infectious a little bit, maybe. Yeah, and there is a sort of somber tone. I think quite rightly, there's no other way to do it. It's obviously not a jovial time, but I think, you know, as as uh, mere peasants, we should look upon her her reign with nothing but good fond thoughts. I, there was I a there was a stat on the news earlier. It, I think it was on the BBC where it's something like eighty percent of residents in the UK have never known any other monarch. Yeah. I mean, Dan, the, the Queen, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, she was the last living, last survivor uh, of World War Two actual. Um, uh, I don't know how they refer to it. She, she was, you know, part of the. Uh, she, she was serving in World War Two. She was the last living person to do that in the UK, I believe. Wow, I mean, incredible uh, longevity. Uh, and rightly so, the BBC, of course, being somber, but this has been worldwide news. It's been an incredibly busy time for journalists. It's been quite a fascinating time for journalists as well, in fact, um, because there's been lots of different stuff. And sports has been uh, been rocked by yeah. this news in well, many ways. You mentioned about journalists, and of course, um, it turns out that just about every institution, organisation, business down from the royal family itself, through the BBC, right down to the cake shop round your corner, um, have had all these plans called London Bridge for some time. That suddenly now everyone knows everything about. But uh, these are well-oiled, well-documented, well-rehearsed plans for what happened when the Queen died. So this is this is why you're seeing everything seemingly go so smoothly, from queuing systems and toilets being available for people to go and queue and see her lying in state, to um, the travel that's going on, the jets that are flying around the country at the moment, all the cars that are suddenly available. Through to, Ben, the um, Jaguar Land Rover, or Jaguar rather, um, hearse that she was taken from RAF North Holt back to Buckingham Palace this yeah. evening, that Land Rover, that Jaguar hearse was um, designed with her. Yeah. Uh, she had input into that. Um, and one thing I noticed, Ben, and I was curious about the um, the, the car behind was one of these shiny, fancy new uh, Land Rovers behind with the number plate MYT1. And I I couldn't make out the significance of that. I didn't know if there's an acronym or initials for something. I didn't I didn't know what it was, but it was notable because all the other Land Rovers just had regular number plates. 
So I was doing a little bit of research on... Ooh, um, some journalistic sleuthing. Okay. Yeah, a little bit of research on uh, ahead of this show. Because, um, you know, I don't know huge amounts about the royal family. I'm you know, not a massive follower, so, you know, I can't speak with any authority. Um, but I've um, watched Formula One a lot. And, of course, um, people like Jackie Stewart uh, and that are hugely fond of the Queen. And she's also been massively into cars as well. She's, she, <laughs> frankly, a petrol head by all accounts um, and very much enjoys her, driving her cars quite, uh, cars quite quickly. However, um, in 1961, according to Autocar here, her favourite car was the Vauxhall Cresta. <laughs> Cresta. Right? Uh, an estate car. And um, the suggestion thinking uh, is that it fit all her dogs in. Um, the number plate on that car, Ben, in 1961, is MYT1. Wow. Um, and it's believed that the Duke of Edinburgh ordered the number plate specially, uh, but no one knows the meaning, um, perhaps, apart from those two. So maybe that that... Um, um, mystery has quite literally gone to the grave now maybe yeah i mean how many families have these kind of interesting sort of in <laughs> in jokes or interesting um stories that only they know about it's kind of wonderful uh yeah the word i was uh, looking for at the top of the show there was served yeah of course she did her military service um as as a mechanic um she she knew how motor cars were put together she was frequently driving herself or refusing to be driven mm. through large parts of her reign you know we know her sort of the last 20 years 77 uh, uh, through till 97 i mean that's pretty old time but you know before that her age is astonishing i'm always fascinated when humans live to nearly 100 years old anyway uh and and um the woman is, who is who's seen more or less every head of state in the world. Uh, I saw a list of the American presidents she's greeted at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> it goes all the way back to uh, Eisenhower and uh, Hoover, Edgar she Hoover. She has more history than America. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Um, so th it also means in a sort of journalistic setting, there is just a never ending resource of stories um some fascinating yeah. old videos especially in the the sporting sense as well Well, exactly so in terms of the impact that um the queen has globally none uh less than i don't know how to phrase that the right phrase i'm after you there but it. perfect perfect <laughs> thanks uh, than the world of sport um you know when uh, the people elite athletes are on the top step of the the olympics or you know formula one race you know if it's a british athlete or a british team you hear the national anthem you know many athletes their dream is to be the number one in their sports and invariably that goes with standing somewhere with your hand on your chest belting out the national anthem it's inexorably linked to sports yeah. is this this sort of um pride in in your nation and your queen so ben it's no surprise then as the news was announced that there were swathes of sporting events cancels postponed certain ceremonies minutes silence things like that um run us through some of the headlines from that ben yeah i mean it was hard to <sighs> okay so i mean one of the first ones i'll say before sort of going into any sort of dialogue was the football the whole premier league weekend was cancelled uh it wasn't immediately uh the monarchy didn't sort of say you have to cancel this they didn't speak to the 
FA chief and say, uh, get rid of the Premier League games this weekend. It was very much their choice. So it was kind of unsure. There were some rumours obviously circulating Twitter early on uh, in that day. And then, yeah, all the Premier League games were cancelled out of a mark of respect to Her Majesty the late uh, Queen. Now, I was almost looking forward to the Premier League matches. Obviously, as a Premier League football fan, I love football, so always looking forward to that. But I was looking forward to seeing how each of the various stadiums in the UK were going to deliver a fantastic remembrance. You know, there is there is something special about, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 fans uh, singing the national anthem. It's rousing. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, and there would have been some some wonderful two-minute silences, black armbands across everyone in the league. Uh, there possibly would have been uh, minutes applause, which I, I think is is brilliant, especially after that uh, pin drop sound of the silent two minutes. Then you hear a rapturous applause. Uh, there's nothing nothing more brilliant than that to to remember someone. So I think this was actually a faux pas. I think the FA made a mistake here. It the does royal seem... fa- the royal family are big sporting fans. We're mm. not talking about people who aren't involved in sports here. I mean, her grandson serves on the FA. Um, you know, not directly on the board, but as as an ambassador. So we're, we're talking about a, a family who are embedded in sport, and sport is embedded in that family. Uh, they yeah. have professional sports athletes within, and have done for years. I believe the queen, a uh, queen herself, rather was a brilliant rider, horse rider, a brilliant horsewoman. Uh, so I think this was, I think this was a, a mistake, quite frankly. But it's done. It's dusted. They they didn't and. There are suggestions that there are some games that will not go ahead again this weekend. But that is regarding police, Uh, lack of police numbers. Availability. Availability. So there's a couple of games which aren't going ahead, which usually have increased police numbers because, lo and behold, the police are all uh, looking after the route. I mean, that's more a suggestion on the Conservative government uh, than it is um, (laughs) the the monarch. But... uh, Listen, what do you think, Dan? Do you think that was the yeah, right decision? I, well, from from my understanding, Ben, is there was, uh, although I think it's not not been a, it's not an official comment that the suggestions are that there was nervousness about the crowd response to um, to some of these things because naturally um, there are fans of the monarchy and there are people who are not fans of monarchy, mm, and, of course. Um, it, by all accounts, there was a sense that to remove opportunity for any um, protest at football matches or other than that was felt. However, it, Ben, it wasn't just the Premier League games and the top flight elite games. It was all the way down to grassroots non-league games and under fives Saturday morning uh you know football clubs so 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 that is in the expectation that under fives are going to go through that state of mourning for someone that they don't or possibly aren't even yeah. aware of so it was it was the, the decree from the fa top down all the way down uh and that that took me by surprise a little however we let's move on passport uh passport no, <laughs> stay no. On sport. we, we want to stay on sport because that's how our whole mandate <laughs> passed football and uh, other sports so cricket um golf rugby horse racing they all um postponed the immediate um most 
you know obvious games or or moments or matches or whatever but very quickly uh spun back up again um and rescheduled in the case of horse racing for example rescheduled quote important uh meets to later dates to make sure that they still happened um but with embedded minute silences montages the u.s open played a montage at the beginning of the um uh, and also and the only other thing that got cancelled indefinitely was the remainder of the tour of britain uh and again that may simply be a logistics thing given that um road closures etc yeah exactly yeah i i think uh if you, if you actually scan the bbc sport website a couple of reasons that's important one the bbc sport website is, is a fantastic wealth of, of sporting journalism and sporting news it's well worth looking at and secondly because the bbc is embedded within the uk and therefore they have been uh sort of running um a 24 7 coverage uh since the passing of the queen obviously discussing the the whereabouts of uh, King Charles and uh, Camilla and all these different sort of the, the you know, Queen Consort, I should say now. Um, but on the BBC Sport, you've sort of got a couple of, of pages which are um, remembrances in a way. So, you know, um, memorials at different sporting events. There's one at cricket. There's, there must be 15... 1,500 people in the, in, the, in the crowd. You know, there's another one. That would have been... immense if you think about the big stadiums in the Premier League would there have been a handful of people booing would have been drowned out I I know for a fact that would have been drowned out nobody didn't like the Queen you know Um, there may be some other royals who are questionable uh, but you know everyone liked the Queen especially in a football setting people love the national anthem I mean, yeah, there have been some boos recently with Liverpool, uh, but that's they're not booing the national anthem. They're booing um, the justice for 97. It's in relation to Hillsborough, and it goes deep. It goes much further than remembering the Queen, and the, uh, the uh, minute silence was observed immaculately for tonight's game uh, against Ajax. Yes, we record on a Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, let's talk for a little bit. A moment, Dan, um, about the sporting events the Queen got to see. Uh, you can imagine, you know, you live that old, um, you get to see a few things. Yeah, she was in kind of a position of privilege in many regards. But I think for myself personally, in regards to this podcast, uh, her highest privilege was getting to see so much sport. I mean, the tickets that she got for free. <laughs> absolutely exceptional well ben i think if we cast our mind back just a couple of months yeah we were talking about exactly this on uh, the podcast because of course she reached the platinum platinum years yeah platinum. Uh, the platinum jubilee and um at the time it was noted that there's unlikely to be a monarch you know reign for that amount of time never will be Again, be very certainly surprised. anytime soon. So yeah, it's, it rings true that, um, and worth repeating, like you say, that someone who's had the privilege of being able to be part of um, intrinsically many of these sporting events um, is quite remarkable. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to go back. Uh, Nineteen fifty-seven. Dan, she was at Centre Court to watch Althea Gibson become the first African-American woman to win the Wimbledon title. She presented her with that SW19 trophy. Nine years later, 1966, no guesses for what that was, she went to Wembley to watch England beat West Germany 4-2. 
to win the World Cup for the first and only time. It's never happened since. Doesn't look likely. <laughs> she presented Bobby Moore with the Jules Rimeau trophy, of course. Fast forward 11 years later, and the Queen was back at Wimbledon, this time to see Virginia Wade win the ladies' singles title. Important this, because remember last year, Wade was the last or the previous British woman to have won a Grand Slam trophy until Emma Raducanu sensationally did that at the US Open against Leila Fernandez. Uh, the US Open, which of course I want to mention a little bit later on today uh, in this podcast, same day, probably the same day. Uh, the Queen was there for my first real football tournament as well, Dan. That was the Euro 96, played obviously here in home turf. Um, there's a fabulous picture on the BBC Sport website. I seem to be their biggest fan today uh, of a picture with the Queen and the great Jürgen Klinsmann before their final with Czech Republic, of course, Germany won. In 2008, the Queen dropped the puck in an ice hockey match in Slovakia. This is a really interesting one to sit, just to look at. Bear in mind, she was you know, well into her 80s at this point. The two Slovakian teams, Guildford Flames and the wonderfully named Aqua City Poprad. Nice. Uh, who are who are my number one Slovakian ice hockey team now? Um, she then Dan and finally, uh, not finally. I mean, she lived for another ten years, but she skydived into the stadium for the 2012 <laughs> Olympic Open. Now I know you laugh, Dan, but the naysayers think it was a body double. <laughs> I will forever be convinced it was the 87 year old queen herself. I don't doubt she would have wanted to do it into Wembley. No, of course she would. The sports, you know, the queen's sports watching history is just simply not equal. There are journalists and presenters around the world that will not get to see what she has. And I don't think she took it for granted. Um, yes, she had a horse that won the Gold Cup at Royal Ascot as well about 10 years ago called Estimate. Um, she was a keen rider. Uh, you only sort of need to look at the photos of the Queen at the various horse racing events to know that she was a big fan uh, of equestrian. And um, I'm sure that's where she would have spent most of the days if she wasn't so busy going to all the heads of state around the globe. Yeah. All right, Ben. Well, yeah, the Queen clearly has far reaching, you know, her the, her death has far reaching consequences for sport, but also for the geopolitical environment. And, you know, it's something that we never seem to be able to get stray too far from when we talk about sport um, week by week, as we do. And, um, you know, that that theme certainly isn't going to go anywhere over this coming year, whether it's royalty related or uh, politically related. Um, I'm sure we will be coming back to um, how sport is impacted and how sport can impact on the um, the global landscape outside of its own remit. Um, ben, sporting events this last week, you've mentioned the US Open. Talk to us about it. You're a big fan, aren't you? I mean, everyone should be a big fan of this. I stayed up late on Sunday night to watch the dawning of a new era in men's tennis. Uh, I think we're finally there. Alcaraz, Carlitos Alcaraz beat Casper Ruud. The winner was going to be the world number one and win their first ever Grand Slam. Now, that is who you want in a final. Um, absolutely spectacular. The match was very, very good. wasn't the best of the US Open. Uh, any of Alcaraz's previous three could take that mantle. Uh, but yeah, Alcaraz was sensational. He's 19 years old. He's the youngest world number one in men's tennis history. 
Wow. He is absolutely sensational. Uh, it was a brilliant match. It was brilliant to see uh, the sort of crowning of a new champion with Roger Federer unsure where he is. Novak Djokovic possibly able to play the Australian Open now. It looks like they may be changing the rules. And Rafael Nadal looking to sort of get back to that fitness level. You've got this big sort of 20-year gap opening up between these players, and we were lost after the big three. Everyone knows the big three. Uh, we were unsure what was going to happen. Some people have come through, Zverev, Medvedev, Rublev. There's a few that, you know, sort of knocked on the door. You know, Shapovalov threatened for a couple of uh, uh, ATP tour finals, uh, tour uh, wins rather. But there's never been someone that's going to take hold of the men's game and go, I am going to be challenging as much and as often as I can. Would you say, Ben, there's a swing happening? There is a big swing happening. Unintended. Uh, there was obviously a memorial for the Queen in some of the coverage, and also there was a big uh, memorial coverage because it was uh, September the 11th, so 21 years since the uh, atrocious um, uh, terrorist attack in New York. Uh, Iga Swiatek won the women's uh, championship. It was actually surprising because she's fabulous on clay court and not so... Uh, fabulous, still very, very good on a hardcore, but she's now proven. She's got a third slam now. She's now saying, I am here to stay. Serena Williams, of course, retired. So there, boom, you've got space. The whole landscape of tennis is changing, and I am in for the ride, Dan. There we go. And um, Ben, the other sporting event at the weekend, uh, well, one of many that went ahead, but um, was the Formula One in Italy. You'll have to Monza, tell me about it, Dan. The Temple of Speed. You know, it's one of the finest racetracks on the calendar, but it provided one of the perhaps dullest races. It wasn't an exciting race. There was there was moments, there was excellent racing um uh racecraft within it. You know, you saw Nick De Vries step in for a very poorly Alex Albon uh last minute um to drive the Williams and come home with points. Uh, a remarkable effort from him. It took um, George Russell forty eight races to get a point in the Williams, I believe. There you go. Nick De Vries <laughs> is in day one, but it's a very different Williams. Although that Williams is much better now, yeah. It's a little bit um, better. So that was great. And uh, you know, Verstappen is just walking away this year, Ben. Absolutely well, walking away with it. This is one of the reasons I didn't watch it. One, because I was working, you know, trying to um uh, add some money to the bank account to pay for electricity to be able to produce a podcast this this winter. Yeah. Uh, but um, I've also a little bit kind of checked out. Can I say that with Formula One? I think I can. For me, there are too many races in the calendar anyway now, and some of the races are a bit a bit crappy. I think that's. I found myself genuinely, uh, and it's the first time in many years I've felt like this. At this stage, I'm thinking I might spend my money on discovery plus and get all the other endurance racing and a lot of other racing series at like seven quid a month instead of 25 quid a month and maybe just watch the highlights on channel four next year it's very that's tempting what, that's isn't what i'm it? thinking at the moment it's very tempting but the problem is next year the, the you know the the excitement in february will be all oh, it's a it's, it's a fair field everyone <laughs> we'll could win this survive and go oh it's rubbish yeah, but i'm really excited exactly i really i can't wait for this and then boom uh, verstappen is going to you know he needs one more win to 
get the all-time wins in a season record, which is kind of a big one. Um, he's rolling up the all-time win leaderboard, and quite frankly, this has not been the best season in Formula One history. No. And and that's simply because some of the teams just haven't shown up. Mercedes just haven't had a car, um, and I think their drivers have taken that car way beyond where it, it ought to be. Um, Ferrari are an absolute mess. Um, they can't string a weekend together. Uh, it's just it's crazy to say I'm not a massive Ferrari fan, but I'm not enjoying watching Leclerc and Science be wasted in that way. Yeah, there's, there's, I saw, I've seen a lot on Twitter over the last uh, 48 hours, and not all of it good, I'll be honest, with relating to sports and, and other uh, large events. But I did see a quote which I, I quite liked, and it said that Mercedes are starting to realise that nobody liked the team, they only liked Hamilton. Uh, it feels like the Mercedes love uh, is dropping because they're not at the front all that often anymore. They're starting to feel very quickly like a mid-table team, one of the mid-team runners, and that's not what you expect from Mercedes. Uh, but right now, they are not close. The Red Bull is a missile, and yeah. Ferrari will do everything they can not to win a race. It seems uh, that way. Whether that's in their contract, we have no idea. I think... Yeah, whatever's happening uh, <laughs> under uh, under Zipinotto, whatever was yeah. happening under his stewardship, I don't know. I'm I'll be surprised if he's uh, still the uh, manager boss uh, next well, season. Yeah, Ferrari's a bit of an enigma, isn't it? But mm. um, you know, if it ever disappeared from the grid, we'd all be sad to see it go. Um, Ben, let's let's end our coverage there today. This week, we've got a number of things going on. So, suffice to say, of course, the news of um, the Queen's death did um, bounce a couple of uh, of our schedules back a little bit. Um, we've got some excellent stuff coming up for you this season, um, Ben. We've got some deep dives going on. We felt that our meaty middles needed a bit of room to grow. So, uh, Ben and I are going to um, take now what we're going to call a deep dive into some bigger topics um, over the next few weeks and months as we take you on a bit of a journey into some of the bigger uh, stories within sports um, such as um, the the rising costs of sport and whether that's the rising costs on you the fans pocket or the rising cost on the planet um, or simply the scale of cost involved in producing some of these sporting spectacles that we enjoy watching Um, including uh, we've got interviews coming up as well Ben uh, haven't we um which we cannot wait to share with you. Uh, one interview we recorded at the beginning of last week, um, so we're now postponing that a little bit to make sure we're um, allowing room for respect and mourning for all parties involved. Um, but rest assured, we'll share them with you at our earliest opportunity. Um, but Ben, we've got an exciting season four ahead, and I can't wait to uh, to get stuck into some of that stuff. And we're going to try something a bit new, aren't we, with the format over the weeks? Um, so we'd love your feedback as well. You can find us on socials at Wednesday Pod, um, and don't forget to subscribe, like, tell your friends, share it, um, and all that kind of stuff. And you'll be the first to hear when our next episodes land. 
What are you saying, Ben? I'm just so excited. I literally can't wait to uh, share the interview we did last week. Uh, and an upcoming interview is someone that I am dying to speak with. Uh, really super excited um, about that. But of course, uh, this episode in this last couple of weeks are about paying respect, are about uh, accepting there's a big, big shift um, in in society right now. Uh, and so that has to be observed. Okay. Until next last Wednesday of the week, be kind. Bye-bye.